We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 25th, 2017. And today is pretty much going to be a dedicated study um, regarding primarily the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey. And I, I did a dedicated study on the weather warfare aspects of Hurricane Harvey, um, somewhat on Irma. I really didn't have a chance to do one on Maria regarding uh, Puerto Rico. That's a whole other issue. Uh, God help those poor people. I mean, because that, that was a direct Cat 5 hit. And um, the more I'm looking at this, the more it's becoming apparent that these superstorms are being orchestrated. And Harvey was the clearest example of that with all of the the churning over this three-day period of the hurricane going in circles and dumping 50-plus inches of rain in some of those areas there. Um, and, and we documented that, and, and, and we you know, went over through the weather warfare, I believe 101 uh, guy, how that was all happening. And using these, um, was it the next ride Doppler, um, Doppler stations, in order to orchestrate that, and then also combining that with the chemtrailing, and, and only, Lord knows what else they were using in order to orchestrate these storms, cloud seeding, and things of this nature. We're going to be looking at that today as well. But the aftermath, because they're creating these things, and then what they're doing is, it's apparent to me that they're doing this on purpose, not only for the, the devastation and the havoc that it's causing, Satan comes to kill steal and destroy but then also the aftermath they can send their troops in there to beta test meaning this is the perfect type of scenario that they would want to have ideally worldwide in order to bring about the new world order and, and i don't think they're gonna have to do a new worldwide in order to bring in the the new world order because a lot of other countries are already in compliance with like the u.n agenda 21 and these types of things they're, they're already they're already there uh but they're probably going to get the most resistance in the united states and from the patriot community community the, the militia the the christians the um you know anybody that's pro, pro righteousness the second amendment people anybody that's pro righteousness they know that they're going to have a problem so they they orchestrate these events in order for a lot of different reasons, but one of them is beta testing. Sending the troops in, sending their um, private contractors in. We're going to be looking at that in depth. Uh, FEMA, Homeland Security, and um, all of the other things. There's so many aspects to this that we're going to be looking at today that I haven't really even covered in, in previous teachings. And um, and it is, it's, it's uh, as I'm doing this recording... You know, we're getting ready to go into uh, Monday here, uh, September 25th. So we made it past September 23rd. You know, all the all the big prophecies about September. The, yet one more. And the thing is, is you go to Deuteronomy 18, the test of a prophet. If it's a true prophet of God, they got to nail it 100% of the time, all the time. Not even 90%, 100%. And over the years, and particularly in the past five years, I've seen these um, 
prophets and prophetesses with all of these apocalyptic type warnings to their Christian listening audience over and over and over again fail. Fail. And, you know, that's all I need to know. I don't need to know any more than that to know there are they are false prophets. And this goes back a long way before that as well. This was this has been going on for a long time. I mean, even when I was a, a baby Christian, you know, I, I got into all this stuff. And um, there was just a lot of, uh, in fact, it's one of the main things that kind of brought me out of the charismatic movement as well. I know I, I've, I've stated there are certain things that brought me out of the charismatic movement, but one of the main things also was all of these supposed prophecies that were time-dependent. And they weren't being fulfilled by all these supposed men of God. Because back then they didn't have as many women saying things. And I'm like, hold on. What is Deuteronomy 8? That's why I always tell people, go back to the Word of God. Rely on that as your um, standard is by which you judge all things. And I was like, man, there's all these guys that have said all this stuff and supposedly they're these mighty men of God and this stuff isn't coming to pass. And the thing is, is that what I was seeing in the charismatic movement in particular is people just going right back. Didn't matter if the prophecy didn't happen. Didn't matter. They'd go right back to the same person that was either tickling their ears or giving them a prophecy, and it was as though no, no harm, no foul. In the Old Testament, you would take the person, the false prophet, out and kill them. So it was a pretty big deal, because they were claiming to speak on behalf of God. When the prophecy didn't happen, they were to be killed. Or even if the prophecy happened, but it led you away from God. It was also a death sentence. That, that, there's the two criteria in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18, and then you go back a few more chapters, and then it says, you know, even if it comes to pass, if it's, if it's something that leads you away from God or leads you away from the word of God, they're a false prophet. Well, that's how psychics and, and, and palm readers and fortune tellers, they get it right some of the time. Does that mean they're of God? No. They're just communicating with a familiar spirit that is familiar with the actions of people or individuals or maybe has some foreknowledge of the future but they don't get it right 100 percent of the time either so um and i just want to throw that in because you know i and i did that teaching on september 23rd you can reference it it was i don't know a couple months ago or whatever just scroll back on the contendingfortruth.com we debunked it it's true now I, I saw another one today saying another another prophecy where World War III starts between September 23rd and the 30th now. Oh, okay, so we're going to bump the timetable up just a little bit. You know. So now, and that way we can still justify the September. What happens when this one doesn't come to pass? I've seen it over and over and over and over again. What did Jesus say about this time frame that we're living in? I mean, Matthew 24 just starting at verse 23, if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. Meaning if Jesus Christ has come in the flesh again. Okay, now this is regarding more so, I believe, the tribulation, but also this is the time of the tribulation, this is the time of the great deception. He said at the start of Matthew 24, be not deceived. 
Okay, so that's the thing, is, is there's a lot of deception out there. And, there's, and then this, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Now, these, these false prophets aren't even showing great signs and wonders. Can you imagine when they're uh, satanically charged and commissioned to go forth, not only being false prophets, but also to do, group, to do great signs and wonders with the false Christ? then they're really going to be convincing because a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And the Bible's very clear on that. I'm not saying you can never have a sign from God. I'm not saying that. But if that's what you're seeking after as your basis of truth, you are, you're going in the wrong direction. That is one of those things where the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 26, 28. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. So you don't want to do this, and that's that's the whole basis for the heart. You don't want to, if, if your heart is telling you something that is contradicting the word of God, or a warning in the word of God, do not trust your heart. Because it's desperately wicked. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. So that's where we're, we're, we're moving into this time period more and more. And I see all these false prophets and they're constantly making these, these things all the time. And <laughs> I don't have time to, I would need a team of people with me to constantly be documenting all the false prophecies i think that'd be, that'd be great if there was a website that did that that went back and literally that's all it did you want to know if a guy's a or, or a woman's a, a, a prophet of god or no no let's document let's document their track record that's all i need to know i could care less about anything else i want to know their track record and i want to know their background too because a lot of times I, I and i don't get it as much anymore i have people email what about this guy what about this woman or this and i and i I don't care about what they're putting out right now. I want to know where their foundation is. Because if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. If they have a corrupt foundation from the beginning, that's all I need to know. They're not of God. A woman calling herself pastor or out there teaching men and women in these types, it goes against what the word of God clearly states. Well, you're a chauvinist. Okay, God's a chauvinist then, because that's what it says in the Word of God. Okay, I'm sorry. The pastor's be to be the husband of one wife, not the wife of one, one husband. Or the elder or the deacon is to be, you know, all of these. The husband, you know, that, that's, that's the, the Bible's very, very clear on that. Husband of one wife. And, and you know, I've done a whole teaching on this, what women can do for the Lord. It's not chauvinistic, it's just what the Bible states. It's because we've got so far away from the Word of God, particularly in that regard, and that's just one aspect of why the, quote, I don't know, church, whatever you want to call it, is so messed up. I mean, I'm reluctant to call it the church or, or the body of Christ because I think a very large percentage of those people, although they may call themselves Christians, they're not. Because by their fruits you shall know them. 
And if they're saying God called me to do this and I'm doing this or he called me to give this false prophecy or, or, or this woman's doing this or that and it's not clearly going against what the word of God says, well then I don't need to know any more about what you think God spoke to you. A lying deceitful spirit spoke to you and that's what you followed. And if you're one of his sheep, you hear, you, we're supposed to hear the voice of the true shepherd and the voice of another we will not follow. Now, that, that, I'm not saying that because I think I'm perfect and I never mess up or whatever. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about going around in sinless perfection, but I mean, if your whole ministry is based on a lie, on a total contradiction of the word of God, now whether you're a male prophet or a female prophet or a female pastor or whatever you're calling yourself, you know, you better take this up with God your argument's not with me. It's with what the Bible, the King James Bible, clearly states are the parameters. Not the other corrupted versions or whatever. The NIV has 64,098 less words than the KJV, for example. And one of the, the, the women on the translation committee was named Virginia Molencott, who was a rabid lesbian. Oh yeah, I'm going to trust that version of the Bible, for sure. So... Anyway, I wanted to throw that in there because, you know, 20, you know, September 23rd's come and gone and, and, you know, none of the stuff happened, which is exactly what I was expecting. And not because I'm whatever, but, you know, we looked at it ahead of time. We saw the false premise for it. Um, hopefully I showed that to you in the study I did and, and it was very clear what well, that it wasn't, it was going to be a non-issue, but. What, is, what this is causing to happen, though, is people who are Christians who are following these people are going to be falling away more and more and more, as the Bible predicts in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They're going to be trusting false prophets. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that there will be a falling away or apostasy, which is where the word's translated from, and then that wicked shall be revealed. So we're in that falling away period. And then the wicked, capital W, meaning the Antichrist, will be revealed. So, um, this subject we're covering today is, is one of the most serious, horrific ones I've ever covered. Um, it's just so sickening what's going on in this, on this planet. Uh, it's hard to put into words. It really is. It's hard to put into words. And um, we're going to be looking at this in depth here, this subject. And the first, the, the, the title of this is Proof FEMA is Killing People Who Come to Them for Disaster Relief. Now, we've talked about this before. We talked about this a lot with Katrina. We're going to be revisiting a lot of the Katrina things today. And if you want to know more as a basis for this, just key in Katrina with a K, and um, I did teachings on this. I've, I've talked a lot about how the 501c3 church, well, they even admitted that during Katrina, how the 501c3 church, they interviewed pastors. I've played the clips, how they were yoking up with FEMA and Homeland Security in order to appease their, their congregation, in order to basically bring compliance with the government based on a false interpretation of uh, Romans 13, I believe it is. And I've done a whole teaching on Romans 13. You know, if, if, if what the government's telling you to do is uh, contradictory to the word of God, then you follow the word of God. 
you don't follow what the government's telling you to do because this is what the, the pastors are trying to, especially in the 501c3 whore church that have yoked up with the government and this whole clergy response team. Now, I'm not even going to be talking about that today. I have no idea how that aspect plays. I'm sure it plays a big aspect in what we're talking about today. But not really, um, it's not a part of today's study. It just didn't get brought up. But it probably probably will be brought up later. It wasn't till a lot long later that a lot of the things about Katrina actually came out. And we're kind of in the infancy still of the aftermath of Harvey and also of Irma and Maria and these types of things. So who knows how many things I'll be talking about regarding the subject. This, it starts out with a little uh, picture here and it shows a picture of a like a hand blender and uh, it says harp on the hand blender. Now again, we've, I believe we proved that it's not harp that's doing this. It's these Doppler, Nexrad Doppler radar stations that they're using to actually charge these storms up with this mega wattage of power that they're using and then also then cloud seeding with the chemtrailing as the storm's coming in to, to uh, increase the intensity of the storm, to steer the storm, a lot of different things. And they're probably using other technology we don't even know about. But destroying Earth through artificial earth, earthquakes, tornadoes, floods, typhoons, droughts, a New World Order depopulation machine being used to eliminate as many human beings as possible, as stated in the Georgia Guidestones, which is what we've talked about quite a few times. Remember that um, Deagle website that I've been referring to over and over again in the past probably a couple years, how they're predicting like this 85% reduction in U.S. population, and that's not an 85% reduction worldwide. It's really, really centered in on America. By like the year 2024, 85% reduction is what they want because they they believe they've got to have that type of reduction in order to implement probably the New World Order because they want to totally eliminate the Patriot community, the second the the you know Second Amendment, pro-life, Christian middle class in America. Whether you're, you're black, white, brown, whatever, I, I believe that doesn't matter at all. Uh, but if you're in that category, they want you gone. And these events that we're talking about, they're refining their craft. They're gauging public opinion. They're gauging what type of opposition that they're getting when they implement something like this. And thank God what we're talking about today has kind of a positive element to it because they were not successful in uh, fully implementing what they were trying to do down there. Now, granted, I don't know how successful overall they were or are because this is going to be an ongoing thing for a long time. But they definitely got some monkey wrenches through, through into their plan. Now, this starts out by saying, if you haven't seen this yet, you've got to. This guy was on the ground in Texas helping with the disaster relief. And what he has, has to say here is just, wow. Now, I'm not going to just be using this one particular man as our sole source of information. I've known about this for weeks. Dave Hodges had come out with a report on this about all these reports he was hearing about, you know, people being taken off to and buses and stuff and not returning people not showing up homeless disappearing 
and he was trying to get ver verification and validation on this but i didn't want to report on it yet i had a lot of listeners emailing me that and i saw it myself but i didn't want to report on it till i got more confirmation and i finally got that as of really yesterday um going further it says it this report made me cry i mean i know fema is killing people but i have but i have it relayed firsthand like it makes like this makes it so much more real the government is shutting down roads locking rescuers out and then blowing up dams to kill whole towns of people which they've locked in now i would imagine at this point though at this stage of the game you know they're they're they don't have you know 50 plus inches or whatever hopefully the uh floodwaters have assuaged have have went down and this isn't but the problem you're going to run into is like i said before one of the biggest problems is mold in these structures and um if they can make an area like this in a three-day period like a third world nation which is essentially what they created in about a three-day period then that's the perfect environment for them to beta test what the new order would like to bring to all of america and that's what we're going to be looking at today uh they're shutting down roads locking rescuers out and then blowing up dams to kill whole towns of people which they've locked in they were also doing this to watch all the bullet riddled bodies out to sea there are thousands of them according to eyes on the ground i mean you know when they when they first come out with all these things it's always the same one dead three suspected dead and i'm like you lying fork-tongued devils you're telling me you dumped 50 plus inches on this huge area in 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 a huge highly populated area from houston all the way to to the sea and and i mean and the surrounding areas and you're telling me there's this tiny infinitesimal body count you know they're fork tongue lying devils when you hear that and we're going to get a lot of confirmation on that today he says the people who are getting on the fema prison ship barges are being turned into fish food notice how we haven't seen one single social media post from anyone in these fema quote relief camps you never do you didn't see it with katrina either i heard all these reports about people being carted off to these fema camps and nobody ever saw them again and there was no word from them ever again and again they're trying to beta test this to see how much they can get away with under the guise of disaster relief under the guise of satan's helping hand coming to help you out and you're literally going to the death camps and they're seeing i mean they know that the homeless in particular are going to be the easiest targets and and they're going to be thinking oh the government's here to help me in 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 this type of thing and i'm not saying the there no people are getting any help from the government i'm not i'm not implying that but the ones that they can get out and i don't even mean under the cover of darkness but they that they can get out of these areas without really anybody knowing where they went those are the perfect ones to beta test this on to see what snafus they're going to run up against with the people how much compliant how much resistance they're going to have going to these death camps or wherever they're to these prison barges i mean it seems like they're there's a plethora of different ways they're trying to uh potentially kill people here we haven't seen one single social media post from anyone in these fema relief camps why is that you think 
the, uh, the lady writing this report says this man is a straight hero. You can see how emotional he gets during certain parts of the story. You can tell he's reliving these moments as he's telling them. And it's obvious he's witnessed he witnessed and knows much more than he's even telling. The look of disbelief and sickness on his face as if he can hardly believe what he saw. And I, it's funny, I saw another video by him, I believe before he released this video. He looked like a totally different person. He just looked haggard and and just like beat up and and despondent in this video compared to this other video i saw of him i could hardly it, it looked like he had aged 10 years to me and it was literally like within the same month the video was taken now granted i understand in the video he says i only got like one hour of sleep per night when he was there and i yeah i get it but still it was it was a big big difference so um you can tell he's reliving these moments as as he's telling them um and he can hardly believe what he saw and that and what he knows and you can tell he's having a really hard time processing it all these government officials and private contractors we're going to talk a lot about the private contractors were out hunting people and still are all of this is probably going on in florida now also now again I, florida wasn't Overall, I don't think you can compare what happened in Florida to what happened with Harvey. Harvey was a three-day event. You know, Harvey was everything they wanted and more. And, and I think, I don't know, I, they were not able to, I know I was on my knees as, as Irma went ashore um, in Florida. Just like I was when Charlie went on shore before. And I literally lived there. It was heading straight for us. Um and um, Taylor and I were both on our knees for that one, and it jogged north right before it was supposed to come right at us, and then it jogged north, and it went over Captiva and Punta Gorda and, like, Port Charlotte, and it was a very small, you, it was like a buzzsaw. That was a very small but powerful Category 3, and there were bodies in the streets there, too, and, and I had... Um, people that i knew from there and they were bringing in refrigerated trucks and ice cream trucks and all this stuff to, to actually get the body because it was you know it was like i don't know august or september and um you know they didn't want all these decaying bodies and you know literally they said there was like a death toll of like three or something there and that was so such a lie from the pit of hell even if they admitted to that much um but um let's go forward here they um the government officials and private contractors were out there hunting people still are all of this is probably going on in florida right now just like katrina they were also going into wealthy neighborhoods and doing their own government looting uh now i'm not saying that n nothing nefarious went on in florida because we're going to be looking at an example of that uh, was in jacksonville we're gonna be looking at one example there i'm just saying harvey was just I believe a whole other magnitude of, you know, 50 plus inches of rain. Irma, you know, went through the state. It was not able to, I had listeners, personal listeners in the Tampa area and these types, and they, they fared pretty well. And they were praying a lot. And I had obviously a lot of, I mean, that's where I'm from, from Fort Myers. So I grew up and, you know, it came, it came in at Marco Island. Um, I stayed at Marco Island a couple of times with my parents as a kid growing up and then, you know through naples and i would imagine if there were nefarious things going on it would have been in like southern naples 
um, into the middle where, where the path of Irma took it. Haven't got a lot of reports regarding that as of this point, but obviously it could have been a lot worse with what they were saying Irma could have been. Um, so anyway, this is, I'm going to be playing this. It's a long video. It's like 47 minutes, okay? And I am going to be editing out the really bad cuss words, but I couldn't get them all. I mean, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight parts in the video where I'm going to jump forward a little bit. So I'm trying to edit out the really bad cuss words, but in order for me to get them all out, I couldn't even basically play the thing. And, and, and I just, I wanted to get this up tonight. I didn't want to wait on it any. This just came out. This was the number one story on, um, one of the main websites on the internet yesterday, and I didn't know how long it was going to be available. Um, I think, obviously, though, with people reposting it, it becomes harder and harder for them to censor it. But, um, so, understand that, that if you've got some children or whatever, and you don't want them to hear any of these um, cuss words or whatever, just, you know, you might want to get them out of the room or whatever. I'm sorry about this. I try to always get all the cuss words, but... I can only do so much when 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 I'm trying to get a, a video up and, and uh, kind of time is of the essence. So let's go ahead and play this. Um, okay, so before I start playing this, I also say you're going to hear, I don't know why he chose to do this, but he's, when he's doing this audio, he's went back to where he's from in the Ozarks to decompress. This is afterward, okay? And he's on his porch here making the video, and you're going to hear all this rain. And I'm sorry, but that's just the way he made the video. I don't know why he didn't do it inside. It would have been a lot better sound quality. And he coughs a lot during it. He's ironically sitting there smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, oh, man, dude, <laughs> don't smoke. You know, he's his, his immune system's probably massively down as well, though, because he, of all what he just saw and the sleep deprivation he's in. So I want to kind of give those, those caveats that I said at the start of the video. But kind of it is what it is, and this is the best... I can do but you should be able to hear his voice no problem and um this is not just so you know and i will go over this later he's got on his own channel live videos from the harvey aftermath that he was able to take three hours and 12 minutes it's literally the next video to play so it's not like he's some guy that wasn't there that didn't have first-hand account and we're just he's some troll up there just making some video he's literally got a three hour and 12 minute video playing next from the harvey aftermath okay it, it, to confirm a lot and then he's got other ones he's even put up there as well so i'll let him uh talk hey welcome back everybody uh this is my channel, the Show Me Baby. I have to tell the story of when I went to uh, the rescue response for Hurricane Harvey because somebody encouraged me today to tell my story. And this is a very small piece of the story from what I witnessed on the ground, and I know that a lot of people know that I was there um, involved in some of the search and rescue and some other things that were going on, and 
to make sure I'm not covering up the microphone. And I need to tell this story because some of these things are still going on, and they're probably going on in Florida now. And it's very important because this covers um, what people have considered to be conspiracy theory. It is what people have uh, not been told in the media. And it's the kind of thing that the government and the media covers up so that people don't have an understanding of what's going on. I started this YouTube channel almost 11 or 12 years ago now. I, I don't know exactly what it is. It's over a decade at this point in time. And many of you that follow my channel understand that I've uh, become a hardcore activist and have been involved in a lot of things happening. I went from studying research... So this guy's been doing this about a decade. He's not some troll johnny come lately guy that's just throwing up a video with i mean he's been up there for a decade you know um he's got six thousand subscribers to his channel he he's been doing this a long time and i think that adds a lot of validation and credence to what he's talking about here today searching and talking about these topics and actually going out and living some of the things that i've been talking about and what has brought this up today for me to finally discuss this openly uh, is the fact that FEMA is trying to put their prison ships out at Port Arthur, Texas to give a place for people to, um, to live because their homes have been destroyed or whatever. But if you hear part of the background story of what was actually going on down there, then it brings credence to those who put out some of these theories because they have read the FEMA papers or they have um, read, the, read the government documents into these things. Now, those things are put out as conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theories, because the government, the government doesn't want people to know what's going on. And before I get too far into this, I want to say that um, I think that a lot of what happens in these situations is compliance, ignorance, and the fact that officials don't want their tenure at their government job to mar their record or make them look bad. And so they cover these things up so that they're not told about. I was in California on the beach when the hurricane hit and was making a personal run and errands out there and I got on a plane in LA and got back as quickly as I could. I landed uh, back in Texas on Sunday night and immediately got to work because the hurricane stopped on the coast and then just continued to spin and was continuing to spin northward along the entire coast when I arrived back in Texas. And so within 24 hours of getting home, I got sleep, I obtained a boat, a truck, gas money, funding, and within 24 hours I was on the road heading from Dallas to, uh, to Houston. And when I arrived in Houston, I was contacted by uh, 
one of my militia brothers out of Texas and where some of the guys were set up. in the Houston area. I got to Houston about about midnight that first night and when I rolled through the militia had taken over a uh, a liquor warehouse that was in basically like a strip mall. On the back of the strip mall had a fence on the back side of it which gave them operational security because they had boundaries and borders they took over the whole alleyway and had guys on the roof and were able to secure their position and where they were at and I quickly found a place that we were able to bed down have a safe place and the first thing that I noticed there that it was like the purge uh, all I could hear that night was car alarms going off and glass breaking and um, gunshots Luckily, I was able to bed down and get things ready and unpack my guns and ammunition, and I got zero sleep that first night. I was told by the militia guys that they had worked with federal agents at the FTA, or a, sorry, ATF, to secure many of the gun stores in the area um, because they were very worried about how many gun stores Houston has and they wanted to make sure that the gangs weren't breaking in and taking these guns out and being able to use them. See, when you have something like a disaster happen, like a hurricane, and many of us have talked about shit hit the fan in our YouTube videos for many years and about preparedness, and... It's very important to know that within the first couple days of one of these disasters that money doesn't matter anymore. What does matter, uh, water, food, ammunition, guns, and the things that you're going to need for survival. After about 72 hours of not having water or food, somebody who is highly moralistic, like a pastor or somebody, would very quickly... Um, resort to robbery or theft or hurting somebody else to make sure that they had um, a way to live. So you go back to your carnal nature of survival. I was prepared for myself with at least 72 hours of food and water uh, on me at all times, which I ended up never having to use because the search and rescue people always had enough for everybody within their crews and there was enough donations going on. And the only reason why Hurricane Harvey was not Katrina was because of the Cajun Navy, the Texas Navy, and the response from Texans on their own soil that was saving tens of thousands of lives that I witnessed firsthand while the government was locking down roads and barricading people from being able to help. I got the rundown from the militia that night about other things that were going on and I couldn't talk about it at the time because of operational security, but now I'm in the Ozark Mountains, I'm back in Missouri for a minute, and I'm in a little better place to actually be able to tell this story. I do have some pictures and some videos to verify some of the things that I'm talking about or the fact that I was even there. 
for the most part, I didn't get to videotape a lot of the things that I wanted to because of security at the time and because of making sure that some of these people who were taking care of their fellow man are not videotaped and not um, not on film because my face being out there is one thing but some of these people I don't want to um, divulge who they are. I've been through a lot of things even with the open carry movement that I have risked my life over the years but I'm already a dead man and I know I'm gonna die one day and my soul's redeemed so so uh, it doesn't matter to me what matters to me is doing the right thing and letting people know what's actually going on the next morning we got up out of the militia compound and we started going on rescue missions and for whatever reason the places they sent me to had already been evacuated and the water had started receding and we weren't actually able to get our boat in the water we heard that this was like the day after the hurricane and the hurricane was moving north at this point in time up into the Beaumont Port Arthur area and moving up the coast from Houston at that point in time and so my roommate and I decided to leave that area and start heading north because we knew that there was going to be more rescues we knew that there was going to be more uh, things to do as the storm was flooding people out and I got a phone call from somebody and a message from somebody and I was given some opportunity to help help us with some things that I'm going to talk about here in a minute so we joined up with the Cajun Navy and the Texas Navy uh, in the Woodlands, I believe, which is a suburb of Houston. And let me take a drink here. We immediately were, uh, I'm sorry, we, the militia guys left. They decided to leave. We decided to go do our own thing. And we met up with the Cajun and Texas Navy guys. When I got to the Woodlands, I think it was called the Crossing Church. Okay, so if you're not familiar, this Cajun and Texas Navy were like citizens who mobilized to go in there and help with the actual, uh, to help rescue people. And, and it turns out these guys, it sounds to me like these guys were doing the absolute vast majority of actually helping people. Um, whereas... Um, our own government, not so much. In fact, it's it's probably very much the opposite way. And they were not... Depending on what faction of the government they were dealing with, they were not well-received at all, depending on what faction of the government they were dealing with in a given locality. In the Woodlands is where they were set up. Uh, I could tell they had a very well-put-together rescue mission going on with 
lots of computers and maps and other things, and they were dispatching people to many different locations in different areas. The guys that were running this were obviously pros at what they were doing and obviously had connections with many other people because as soon as they gave us a chance to get our boats out there and start going on rescue missions, we heard that there was some really bad looting going on. One of the stories that we heard of was like Grand Theft Auto. Somebody was on a jet ski with pistols in both hands, like firing their guns into into uh, people's homes in the Katy area. And DPS showed up. Uh, that's Department of Public Safety. For those of you who don't understand, that is basically the Highway Patrol of Texas. And they were putting a DPS agent on every boat and every car going out to do these rescues. The DPS agent that that rode with me for several hours uh, was a member of CID, which is Criminal Investigation Detectives or Criminal Investigation Units. And they wanted to make sure that they wanted to make sure that we. Uh, had our guns with us, so I had a high patrol chick in my car as we were dispatched to go out and was told to grab my AK-47 and have my pistol on my hip because of what they were involved in. Now, at the, at the time, I didn't realize why DPS was being put on every boat and every truck, and over the next several hours while they were with me in my vehicle and questioning them, I was... I was messing with her bad. I was talking about taxation being theft and about, you know, nonviolent crimes and all this other stuff. But all joking aside, um, I always have my ways of finding out information. Never underestimate my ability to find shit out. So I got an inside track of what was going on. They sent me to, uh, to Kings, Kingsland, Kings, uh, I forget the town. It was the same place I had been earlier that morning with the with the militia, and uh, was basically a dead end because they had already pulled everybody out, and that area had already been basically uh, taken care of. So we were rerouted to the Katy area, and the message that the DPS agent got and informed us of was they were going to be blowing the dam in Katy, Texas, and that was the message we got and that there was an emergency to go and get people out. We made our way down to Katy, Texas, and when we got there, we were stopped because they had finally blocked the roads down, and we were just off of I-10 where they had uh, FEMA, National Guard, DEA, FBI, Secret Service, um, they had emergency management from Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, and others there. Okay, I'm muting this part because he was cussing. I, I hate to do it because it's important information, but... I've got to say this the way I say it, so I'm sorry if I'm rude in, in the words that I'm using, but it's just the way that it's coming out. So, we got stopped at the area where FEMA and National Guard was setting up at this mall. Now, also, I do give you the link in the study if you want to listen to the whole thing unedited 
And I, again, I'm only, uh, it's anywhere from three seconds to like 12 second clips, about eight of them. And the whole 49 minute interview. So it's not a lot of, it doesn't even amount to a minute worth of stuff. But if you want to listen to the whole unedited, I do provide the link. The mall was, I forget the name of the mall. It was um, like Alumni Mall or uh, it was something like that. And they were, they were going to use I-10 as a makeshift dam. And they had trucks there full of gravel. And they were shutting down the highway because they were going to use I-10 as a buffer from flooding Houston again. But they were going to release the water. I was told they were going to blow the dam. And in doing so, they were going to flood this Katy area again and hope that I-10 was able to keep the wash from happening and probably keeping I-10 from being washed out. There's pictures and video on my Facebook of me there at the, the FEMA Resource Center where all these federal agents were setting up. And at this point in time, it was all hands on deck. So the reason that all these federal agents were there, whether it was DEA, FBI, CIA or whoever, and they were running around with their badges and their shirts on so I could identify the different alphabet agencies that were there, um, was because it was all hands on deck at this point in time. I later found out that even though we were stopped at this FEMA Resource Center and this government makeshift resource center at the mall, and let me tell you, and you'll get part of this out of my story, that they, they do use malls, they do use Walmarts, they do use these other places to set up FEMA and to create FEMA centers in these natural disasters. I saw it firsthand. <clears throat> Not a conspiracy. Um, we later found out that the reason DPS was with us and wanted to make sure we were armed was because at least one of those gun stores had been taken over and there was some pretty hardcore gang members that were using the arms that they had gotten to go and loot and rob people. They were stealing boats from people in the Cajun Texas Navy. They were dressing up like rescuers and when people would answer their door to get rescued they were robbing them and going in their homes. There were people that were being shot and murdered. And they put the DPS agents and detectives on our boats and on our cars because they were hunting gang members. Like I said, the, the immediate hours and few days after a disaster, it's lawlessness, it's shit at the fan, and there is no law and order, and things get crazy. And that's another reason why you want to be prepared and have arms in your home and everywhere else. So... The Texas State Troopers, or DPS, went and almost forcefully removed uh, Secret Service agents, FBI agents, and FEMA agents, and Corps of Engineer agents out of their way because as they were planning on blowing this dam, uh, the, the, the lakes were overfulled, the, the dams might have failed, and so blowing the dams or releasing the waters actually prevents a wall of water from going and, and washing something like uh, Houston out and allows it for to be a more controlled release but what they did instead of announcing it publicly they did not evacuate people they locked the roads down and told rescuers to get out of the area and left people in their homes to drown basically so the DPS agents told these federal agents to get out of their way because 
they were going in to save Texas. Pretty sure they did the same thing in Katrina when they blew a lot of the uh, dikes and flooded areas. Uh, so this is uh, this is one of the main tactics they will use in areas particularly that are prone to flooding. Uh, it's one of the easiest ways they can induce a kill zone and also get people to come out of the woodwork needing the government's help. Okay, so, um, and, and now granted, if they, if they didn't know to get out of their way, if they didn't know the dams were going to be blown, obviously they wouldn't have, they wouldn't go, but they wanted a body count. They want people to die. This is part of their beta testing. This is part of how well they can depopulate a given um, area and what kind of kill rate they can get. And again, the only reason why the stories coming out of Texas were not Katrina was because Texans were helping Texans to the point of even the highway patrolmen telling federal agents to get out of their way. They were going in to save Texans. And I believe on that afternoon, at least 150 people were saved from this one neighborhood that was in the direct path of the release of this dam. I forget the name of the dam at this point in time. Um... But so in other words, there was a lot more people in Texas that were really caring and helping one another than there was during Katrina, when that dynamic really wasn't existing from all of the indicators that I saw, which made it much easier for the government to do what they did in Katrina, because that community of New Orleans was not banning together like they were in these areas in Texas. 11 p.m. was scheduled to be the release of, or the, the, the blowing of the dam, and at least three of the rescuers that I talked to said that the, the dam had started to fail, and there was a moon-shaped spot on the top of it where water had been coming over and been washing part of the dam away. <clears throat> so... People were saved. We rallied back at the Crossing Church where they basically wrapped everything up for today and they told the stories of what had been happening. At least at least one boat had been in another neighborhood and pulled out at least 100 people themselves from that area. And let me tell you something. These stories that you're seeing on CNN and Fox News and stuff about... Uh, government officials going out on boats and pulling people in and rescuing them were designed as propaganda to let you know that the government was taking care of you when in all actuality they were not doing evacuations they were locking down the highways they were locking down these neighborhoods and they were going to flood these people in their homes exactly everybody went home for the night and got some rest and were scheduled to come back at sunrise to go again and by the time we got back the next morning they started dispatching people to the Beaumont Port Arthur area. Uh, that is when a member of the State Department came in and basically he laid it out like this. We don't want to have a war zone. We need to get people in there to re do rescues. They're not allowing anybody to get into this area. So you're going to follow me. It's normally an hour drive. It's going to take us four hours to get there because the roads are so flooded that we have to go on all these different county roads and back ways to get there. Some of that is uh, recorded in my Facebook live videos that I was doing. I was not doing YouTube. I only could do one thing because we were so busy. 
So I was doing live updates because do it live, right? Don't just record stuff later on. Just put it out there so that people can see what's going on. So we followed this member of the State Department under, uh, it, he, he led at least 30 trucks and boats to the Beaumont area. When we get to Beaumont, we get past all of the roadblocks, we get past everything, and we show up at a church. And then he filled us in on what was going on, and they called it Templar One. That was, that was the mission we were on was Templar One. So we go from there, and the pastor prays over us, and we go out from that spot. And um, we head over to the local Walmart and Academy store where they were setting up the FEMA Fusion Center and makeshift hospital, and they had a helipad there to be able to do rescues and stuff. So they were using the Walmart stores and they were using the parking lots there and stuff. There were already lines lining up at the Walmart stores that were at least two miles long and people were being rationed one case of water, one loaf of bread. It was very socialistically done. This is how FEMA works things. They don't always give people what they need. They just give them little pieces here and there. And it's done in a systematically government-controlled socialistic way. And uh, basically there was bread lines forming, and that's exactly what was happening there at that FEMA center. We rallied there and met up with some other first responders where we finally took another convoy down into the downtown Beaumont area on a very crazy ride where we had people on the highway trying to break up our convoy and trying to wreck into our cars and we're pulling boats like this is not the the best thing for us to be involved in with people trying to run us off the road while we're in a convoy but there was obviously people that were trying to break up the convoy i was able to keep it close to the head of the line of the civilians that were involved in this operation and bringing boats in because they didn't have the resources uh to do what they needed to do is such a wide destruction area. We get into downtown Beaumont and we station in this big parking lot in the middle of downtown and this is where the State Department official rallied us all together and he said, I'm not here, I was never here, I never got you guys in here, but now you're on your own and here's a scenario. They're getting ready to release the dam here and within the next hour, you're going to be under four foot of water. Find high ground, you're on your own. They left us there to die. They left us there to, to drown. They didn't give any more information than that. And a bunch of the people in our crews, including... Which would be a great way to eliminate not only the people in that particular area, but them as well that FEMA, um, the more malevolent factions of our government would view as people they would want to dispose of. And they don't want people like this, good Samaritans on the ground there that are actually going to help people that could actually be a first-hand eyewitness. Um, so I could understand that. Police 
and veterans are the ones that lost their minds because they didn't have direction and they didn't have anybody give them um, confirmation on what they were supposed to do and so they started freaking out and we convinced half of them to go back to the church that we had started out at that day in Beaumont so these are police and veterans that were panicking that I maybe were feeling like we're going to drown, we're going to die, this type of thing, evidently. And uh, when we got back to the church, I started doing what I do. I, I grew up in the mountains here in the Ozarks. I don't know if you can see around me these beautiful uh, hills and, and uh, stuff around me. There's lots of lakes and rivers and stuff here. I, I'm a river rat. I grew up that way. I grew up in the woods of the Ozarks. And understand flooding, I understand rivers, I understand the water moves and works in the woods. I'm a survivalist. I started looking at the maps. I looked at the dam report and found out that they were going to be releasing water overnight, that four foot of water was going to be in downtown, but it wasn't going to be in the next hour. And I quickly put together a plan and was contacted by people on what they thought that I needed to do. And that's as much as I'm going to say about that in this video. Um, so we started setting up shop. Half the veterans and police freaked out and decided they wanted to go to the, uh, the local Holiday Inn so they'd have beds and showers and stuff. And the other half of us stayed at the church and started putting together basically our own fusion center. And this fusion center that we put together in 48 hours, uh, we put together... A small medic hospital. We had nurses, militia, and other people there. And we were not taking in refugees. This was only for search and rescue. And I immediately started using my resources with Don't Comply and the Open Carry Movement and militia and other. This was totally separate from the government. You know, this is this is stuff the government, if they really cared, should have been doing. But they weren't doing any of this. They were doing the opposite to facilitate death and destruction. And I, I just watched, I just took a break and I, I watched a couple videos. I had some stuff on the Red Cross, how, how, what they did in this. I tell you what, Red Cross, you can go straight to hell, you devils. I pray the people in that wicked organization be saved, but but those that can't, I, I pray God rain rain down fury on on these devils. They are they are some sick, evil devils. And if you don't believe me, stick with me because I'm going to play the firsthand accounts of videos. And there's so many, there's no way I could even play them all about all the horrific stuff people are saying about the Red Cross just from Harvey. And that's just one aspect of what we're talking about today here people that I know across the board to start bringing in supplies. What I was not telling people on social media was the fact that we were also warned by these guys that they were getting ready to do gun confiscations on the Texas coast in Beaumont and Port Arthur. They had already been having lots of looting and... So they create the situation so they'll have the quote excuse to do gun confiscation, even when they're trying to kill all these people. So again, this is all part of their beta testing plan, and and you know, lots of um, they were having gunfights. There were people being murdered. Uh, our guys started bringing in reports of lots of bodies being in the water. 
And the body count that's being talked about in Texas is not in the 60s. It's probably more like in the thousands. Because they didn't recover any of these bodies before they released the water from the dam. So what happened was when they released the water from the dam, those bodies were being washed out to sea. All by design. Some of the people that were going to the FEMA fusion centers were not to be heard or seen from again. And my... Particularly the homeless, so we're going to talk about that as well. Security advisor that was there as I was putting together our own militia fusion center was giving me reports back from their boats and from the people that were in the water uh, of bodies that they were seeing with bullet holes in them. Um, they would simply tag these bodies around their ankle or around their wrist and leave them in the water because when you're in search and rescue, it's a biohazard to bring a dead body onto your boat and you basically GPS mark where they're at and later on they can be recovered after the flooding because we were there to pull out live bodies out of the water and out of these neighborhoods. But what I was told by local officials and by the State Department official that was there with us was that they were going to be doing gun confiscations because of the violence that had been happening in that area. And I think we all know from Katrina and other things that gun confiscations not only is not going to... It's not going to happen again because of... Um, gun, gun, I had to edit a part out there, but he says gun confiscation is not blanking going to happen in Texas because they everybody knows what happened in Katrina. I mean, they and the thing is, is this is not conspiracy theory. They were showing it on TV. I've played the clips that were on the six o'clock news where they were going house to house with most likely private military contractors or and, and maybe some National Guard. Uh, going house to house and, and even showing them taking down like one like little old lady that had a gun that you know they slammed her to the ground and and um, probably busted her up pretty good and they were they were letting that get out just to basically send that um, out to the public at large so that you know just they want that to be in your head to a certain extent I mean I mean the Illuminati does you know, the whole Kabbalistic principle of warning your enemy before they, they uh, <clears throat> your impending doom is, is part of the Luciferian code. So that, that is part of the plan as well. Because of life safety. Because of, because of, because of life safety. So I started making a call out for supplies. My call out for supplies was not just for supplies and the people that I'm involved with understand that I needed armed men there. We were approached by local officials, officials who, the police and others, who told us that we were not allowed to have guns, we were not allowed to be armed while we were there, and that they were going to come and take our guns and not allow us to be a part of that. So those of you who don't, don't so have... so they they put them in this area and they say okay now that you're here we're gonna blow the dams you're on your own, um, then they come and say we're gonna take your guns I believe all this was done by design, in order to kill, these good, patriots and militia who were there to actually because they cared, and because they really did want to help which is very very Christ like if you ask me. 
I mean, they're they're taking their time, their energy, their efforts, they're risking their life to go into this this meat grinder, you know, and now they're finding out the government's basically there to kill them. So, yeah, now they're saying, no, we're going to take your guns, too. understand right now there is a civil war happening in this country, and I saw firsthand on the Texas coast there are federal officials who were there <clears throat> who were wanting to lock down roads and wanting to wash these bodies out to sea, and there were government officials there that were supporting us in the life safety of saving Texans' lives, pulling them out of their neighborhoods and making sure that they were getting supplies and safety and medical attention. And there were the so thank God that there are some good people left in government. I mean, thank God. Um, so that that is obviously not everybody's going along with the plan here. Those who were trying to control the situation and lock it down. That first night that I was there, I was doing everything I could to use this facility that we had, and I had realized that the dam that they were releasing was one river over from us, and had the flooding come over to our area, it was going to hit this other river, and was still going to wash out the Port Arthur, so I knew we were on dry ground, I knew we were in a safe location, we started setting up shop there. Half of our guys left, <coughs> ended up chasing their tails for the night. Because you can't always put your boats into the raging flood waters. It'll wash your boat out. And it's not safe unless you have the right size motor. But the right size motor for those situations in four foot of water with cars and debris and everything else is not the ideal situation. You'll wreck your boat, you'll capsize, and you'll be stuck in the flood waters and become somebody who needs to be rescued also. Within 24 hours, I had... More than fifty to a hundred thousand dollars worth of supplies showing up on trucks, <coughs> along with over a hundred armed men and women and medics and corpsmen and people who are not your. Okay, I had to edit this part out, but he had that kind of power to mobilize these people. Ready to go in to these little towns and these neighborhoods where they were not doing evacuations, that they were flooding, <coughs> and preparing FEMA and other people were flooding these small towns without doing evacuations. And you can tell this guy's really trying not to start bawling, really trying hard not to break down. And, and he doesn't want to do that, but you can tell it's very hard for him to not do that you know and you could tell when somebody's genuine you know you could you can hopefully tell when somebody's real this guy's real man you're looking i'm looking at this guy's mannerisms just everything about him just screams he's the real deal and not only that we've got all these other reports that we're going to be looking at that further confirms what this gentleman is telling us evacuations and didn't care if people were dying. <coughs> they were taking over supply routes and supply chains of Texans who were sending aid and sending people and they were confiscating it. And like I said in the beginning of the video, it was, I think, I think half of it was because there were people there to do bad deeds. And I think that there were people there who, uh, instead of, 
being caught up in that would rather lock the roads down and not let you get cameras in and not let you get the stories out. Okay, so half of those were there because they wouldn't do bad deeds. In other words, half, half the people that were blocking the supply chains going into these places. Um, what You mean like what, the Red Cross I just mentioned? Yeah, like the Red Cross would be a part of that, would be a part of confiscating the supplies. You're, you're not going to believe these videos I'm playing on, on the Red Cross. I mean, they, they, are, they are pure evil. Pure evil. And totally yoked up with the New World Order. And I've warned about them for a long time. Red Cross, I think way, way back when it first started, like in the, I don't know, late 1800s, that was one thing. They're a whole different animal today. Okay? Any, any, you have to think, any mainstream group, any mainstream big charity, just assume it's totally corrupted. Some more than others. And, and we'll, we'll be looking at that. But a big part of this whole thing, in order to ensure the most amount of carnage and death and misery... It was very important for Satan to block as much of this aid getting to these people as possible. And that's a big part of what we're talking about today. So that it doesn't look bad on their record when it comes down. They were allowing bodies to be washed out to sea because it's better to let that happen and then be missing persons instead of another body count on their local county or their area. By the time... I was told that we needed to disarm. I had at least 40 people there armed, um, AKs, ARs, sidearms, and I started putting a plan together. You know, thank God, because if he didn't have any kind of numbers and there were just, you know, a handful of them, it would have been a much dicier situation. You know, there's strength in numbers. And I also believe God was with them. And, and they, they were able to um, prevail in this particular situation. But, uh, man, I'll tell you, if they, if they had their way, these, these, these bad guys, I think they would have killed them all, is what it sounds like to me. And I'll just put it this way. I called Murdoch Pisgotti, the president of my organization, on the last day, which I'm going to get to this in a minute. And I told him... I've been busted, <laughs> and i got to tell you what I was doing, because it might come back on you, because you're the one sending me aid down here, but I was not just trying to put boats in the water, I was not just trying to um, bring supplies and aid in from other parts of Texas and across the country, what I was doing is I was using the old tactic that we see the government using and saying that we were doing humanitarian aid runs but on those humanitarian aid runs of ships full of uh, food and medical supplies I was putting at least four to five armed men or women team members in boats to get them over into the Golden and Vider areas and the Port Arthur areas so that we had armed militia in those areas to protect Texans and also help pull them out the first night that i was wise as a serpent like the bible talks about so under the guise of humanitarian aid he was he was he was ferrying three to four you know trained armed militiamen in there as acting as a you know a, a real uh police force that we're not in there trying to assassinate everybody. 
that they could assassinate or rob, steal, kill, and pillage. Uh, so as like a safety valve, he was trying to get these people prepositioned ahead of time, and and he was uh, it was very successful in doing this. There, we had at least one team that was not part of the militia. They were there, um, I think, as agenteurs, and I personally heard them talking about hunting people. So, in other words, agenteurs, I believe what he means, there's agitators. And they were in there like um, like the purge. You know, we're going to come in here, we're going to... We're going to kill people, we're going to take people out, and we're going to have a license. Nobody's going to be able to stop us. We're going to do this. I don't know whether they just do it for fun, uh, whether they're being paid to do it and having fun. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that way. So it's just, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around this, the mindset. And there were people down there that were hunting people. They were not hunting deer, they were not hunting boar, they were not hunting pigs, they were hunting people. I think some of them believe that they were hunting looters, but as I said earlier, after a day or two of being in shit at the fan in a situation where there's no water, no food, your most moralistic person might go into your neighbor's house and try and find food and water for survival. So at this point in time, you have people who aren't necessarily looters but people who are just trying to survive. And if they looked like looters, they were being shot. They were hunting people. Those bodies are not being recorded in the body counts that are happening down there. And now that FEMA and National Guard took over and suspended all rescue operations, people are, they're, they're bringing in prison ships. And I'm going to tell you right now, so he says, don't get on the prison ships. Because you might not come back. They're allowing the sharks and the fish to eat the bodies that go out to sea, just like they did in Hurricane Katrina. And with millions of people being displaced from their homes and their neighborhoods, you might go missing forever. And they think that you just bugged out and went somewhere else in the country and can't find you. But a lot of these people are going out to sea and never coming back. It's ideal in a coastal environment because you can have a lot of this dynamic where the government can come back after the fact and say, well, we don't know, they must have relocated. Um, and they've got all these thousands of bodies, literally, in the particular case of like New, or New Orleans or whatever, you know, being flushed down, you know, those, those waterways there into the sea. Um, Port Arthur into the, I mean, all these rivers are, are, are go, even going inland to Houston, you know, they, they go out to the sea, so it's kind of a perfect body disposal uh, mechanism that is already in place. By the next morning, I had trucks and militia rolling in, so now we're going into the fourth or fifth day. Uh, that I was down there. I was only sleeping about an hour a night, just enough to, um, you know, not be in sleep deprivation and being able to keep my mind sane. And by the afternoon, I had probably about 75 armed men and women, not including the ones that were already out in the water doing rescues, and was continuing to make the call for supplies. 
by that night, I had 100 to 150 very tacked out armed teams ready to protect Texans. ready to go into these small towns and these neighborhoods and make sure that people were not getting locked in, make sure they were getting aid coming into them, and making sure that the government was not allowing people to be killed, whether it was by the release of these dams and the flooding for a second time, not from the hurricane, but they were flooding these areas for a second time. And my my security guy informed me. So in other words, the hurricane hadn't killed enough of them. Now they were going to start blowing dams to make sure a whole bunch more died and then to get rid of the bodies they had already shot up and stuff and to ensure that they would go down, you know, into, into the sea or whatever. Our, our kind, benevolent, wonderful uh, government. Me that what they were doing was basically flushing the toilet on Port Arthur and the bodies that they had seen from the hurricane whether they were full of bullet holes or whether they were just flood victims were not there during the second flooding. They had not been collected. They were being washed out to sea. So we had about fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of supplies show up in the form of medical supplies, food, water, and all these different things. hundred to $150,000 tacked out very capable armed militiamen and these, like I said these are not the people that you see bullshitting on the internet um, these are actual three percenters that showed up and were about it and ready to go about three o'clock in the morning on the last night that I was there private contractors showed up and they were very angry about some of the things that were going on. Okay, so this is a really important part that I'm going to expand on. Notice he says the private contractors show up. Okay? You know, so we we talked about this with Katrina. I've talked about this in a lot of other um, studies. And we're going to expand on this. But we'll let him talk here. They demanded that I hand over those supplies and I dispersed my men and women that were there um, for the safety of Texans. So these devils want them to all go away and hand over all the supplies they personally got in their supply chain through their militia that they were going to, out of the goodness of their heart, distribute to the Texans. Guaranteed, all those supplies would have been, none of them would have got to the target people and they would have either all been either destroyed and or sold and that's exactly what red cross is doing so this is this is the kind benevolent private contractors working for our government and i refused and i told him very strictly to his face that you're not going to tell me to disarm i've been a part of the open carry movement I was a PR director of a very large organization, and if he was going to threaten me in that manner, I would make a very quick phone call and make sure that a thousand armed people showed up and were ready to continue the job that we were doing. <coughs> On Facebook and social media, I was talking about um, supplies and helping out people, but 
the very reality of the fact was I was using those boats and I was using those people and those supplies to make sure that armed militia were going in. And I believe wholeheartedly that we stopped a gun confiscation and we, and we stopped them from... <coughs> murdering a lot of people. That's why they were so upset, the private contractors. They thought they were going to go down there, kill, steal, rape, pillage, which is what they're sent in there to do, make sure these supplies don't get to the targeted victims, make sure they do as much satanic mayhem as possible. And they were very upset over the fact that this guy and his organization were throwing a whole monkey... This is how sick this stinking world is. And in those in high political office and in government that are ensuring this all happens these luciferian devils these satanic maggots that are behind all of this and they're in their foot soldiers beneath them <coughs> because that was happening down there i think it's still happening down there the some of the homeless people were freaked out uh thomas jefferson high school in port arthur had had a lot of people um, evacuated by plane, and there was at least 1,500 that were left behind that refused to get on the FEMA planes <coughs> because they said that they were not making their destinations. They were not showing up in certain areas. And those people, uh, I, I don't know where they were going. The 1,500 that were there, we sent a security force over too because they almost started rioting at the Thomas Jefferson High School in Port Arthur uh, because of the way they were being treated and again I'm going to tell people we've talked about okay he's saying don't get on anything FEMA don't get on barges don't don't go with them don't do anything with them just at first hand and I've come home to decompress over these issues to the Ozarks while I'm still in connection with things that are going on down there. Um, the private contractors came in, tried to disarm us, tried to take over our supplies, and I wasn't having any of it. The guy that was working with me hand in hand uh, started carrying around an ice pick because the contractor had threatened his life and he was ready to stab this guy in his neck because he he straight up threatened our lives. I had my 357 on my hip the whole time that I was there. And this contractor was talking to us about open carrying and scaring people, but the real reality is they were trying to control the situation and take over for whatever reason supplies and get those armed men out of there. And he tried to take my 357 off my hip, in which case my retention skills that I've done, whether the open carry movement or my training in other areas I'm not going to talk about, um, I put my elbow directly on my gun as soon as he tried to grab it, smacked his arm away, and had to inform him I was going to shoot him in his head if he tried to touch my gun again. Because they were trying to take over and threaten our operation of protecting Texans. So that they could get away with whatever they were getting murder, with, hiding bodies, uh, covering up things that were going on. I, some of the neighborhoods that those guys were going into were the richest neighborhoods and were involved in 
um, I believe, government looting or private contractor looting. So, we slept in the back corner of the pastor's office that night, and the next morning we had already had everything set up, and we got up and we sent everybody out in eight to ten different directions where they couldn't be followed, and they went to their prospective places to these small towns in these areas, and we got the supplies there. We got the armed militia into these areas to protect Texans, and they continued that as I left town and went back to Dallas. My mission at that point in time after five days was basically over, and I left and got out of the, the areas. We had been flooded in, and the floodwaters had started to recede after about 48 hours. That stuff's still going on down there. FEMA came in, the government came in, and they locked down the areas, and they're now bringing in prison ships, which one of the judges down there in that local area has now ruled uh, and put his foot down to get them out of the Port Arthur area, and that's happening today. So I'm still in contact with people down there and things that are going on and aid missions that are happening, even though I'm just doing it by my electronic communications at this point in time, which I'm sure I'm monitored constantly for the stuff that we do. Uh, and I've been told by Dallas detectives and others that our pictures hang on the wall there as, as individuals who are activists and people basically not to mess with because we will... We'll bring a thousand armed people to your area if you um, if you threaten us or try to do these gun confiscations, and that's just how it is. But we're not playing anymore. This isn't going to be Katrina. This isn't going to be a, a place where you have martial law and you're murdering people. Uh, if many of us have anything to do with it, so it's a very serious situation. And the reason that the Texas coast was not Katrina was because there were Texans there who gave a shit and put their lives on the line to save people. <laughs> it was a war zone down there and it was it was bad and it still is bad. And these agencies are still trying to go in there and put their foot in the door and keep control of things, but The body count is way higher than what it, than what it ever is being said. The propaganda they're spouting on TV about how things are getting better are a lie. They're spraying neurotoxins, saying that they're trying to kill out the mosquitoes. And some of these things are like Agent Orange and others that they are now spraying the populace with down there. Yeah, that, that's a whole report on uh, Mike Adams' uh, website on how they're spraying them like cockroaches down there under the guise of getting rid of mosquitoes and that's a whole other way that people are going to be dropping dead in fact it's a it's the lead story in my next newsletter going out texas carpet bombs uh its own hurricane traumatized victims with neurological neurological poison sprayed from military planes the war on humanity and i'll just give you a little bit of this the war on humanity continues unabated in texas where over one million acres of land are being carpet bombed with aerial spraying of neurotoxic chemicals in an effort to supposedly kill mosquitoes. Texas authorities are openly lying to citizens claiming these poisons are magically not poison at all when they come in contact with humans. Even more alarmingly, Texas authorities are urging their citizens to use other toxic chemicals on their skin. Uh, chemicals that are part of a binary weapon, weapon system, meaning binary meaning two. The word bi means two, meaning... You combine these, you combine the 
neurological poisons they're spraying from planes with like sunscreens on your skin or whatever else they're telling them to use and it becomes five times as deadly it's a big thing that they're doing with a lot of the ways they're trying to kill us you take you combine all the stuff they're doing with the vaccines all the stuff with the gmos all the stuff with the chlorine and the fluoride and all the other chemicals in the waters with the chemtrails in the air and all the other ways they're trying to kill us and then the emfs and it turns into something that is a hundred times more deadly than they would have been on on their own and that's all part of the the uh, process there these chemicals are part of a binary weapon system that causes alzheimer's and dementia by incurring permanent brain damage and he says see the signs below uh yeah so in effect the tech state of texas is unleashing weapons of mass destruction against its own citizens generating trillions of dollars in long-term health costs that financially benefit the drug makers who sell prescription treatments for alzheimer dementia cancer and other diseases caused by chemical exposure all of this feeds into itself all of the satanic system just feeding into itself all the while trying to make itself look like they're they're the guys that are, are just they care so much they're they're there to help you everything we're looking at today that has to do with Hollywood or or the military or the pharmaceuticals or all this relief effort it's all satanic it, it's it's literally they're just it's a fake facade lie that they're trying to foist on humanity and that's why i'm doing this study today um so the aerial bombardment of high density population centers it turns out is a revenue generating activity for the for-profit sick care industry that has infiltrated the entire texas legislature and really the world at large um so yeah that's that's another way they're trying to kill everybody down there and they're doing i'm sure a good job i mean you, you the 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 fallout from this we really it's impossible to really i don't know five years from now to know the true death count to know the true suffering and misery this is going to cause um from this one event of harvey just this one all by design and it's ridiculous and people need to know the story about what's happening down the texas coast not only the fact that they're doing this shit but also the fact these guys, these average bass boat dudes, <laughs> these people who are down there pulling people out of their houses, they're the real heroes. Don't listen to this bullshit about these government search and rescue missions that are going on, because I didn't see any of that shit. I saw them locking roads down. I saw SWAT going after the civilians who were using their boats to save people. And I saw them locking people in without evacuating them and then flood them in their homes to the point where they needed to be rescued out of there you ask anybody on the coast I mean, if that's not the definition of sick i, I don't and, and i don't really care what their excuse is they were following orders. i really don't care get out of it get out of the satanic system there's no justification for this level of evil and you know what you're doing is wrong what was going on down there you're going to hear some of the same fucking sorry stories CNN and Fox News and these other people, they're lying. I, like I said, I can't catch all the cuss words. I'm sorry. I, I just, I can't, I can't catch them all. Um, I, I normally try to, but there was too many. And I don't condone it. And I wish he could have kept it clean. But he's also in a very, oh, very bad mental state. You can tell. He's, he's not, I mean, he's very 
sound mind, but he's very distraught. He's very much trying to... You could tell, too, the more I watch this, the more I'm like, he really is holding back a lot. You can tell. He's probably not even telling us half the story. I got a bad feeling. You know, but he might be too afraid to say the other half. He might be thinking, well, this is probably going to get me killed. You know, and, and I, I, I don't know if anybody even believed me if I told the other half. I don't know where his, his mindset is, but it's not, it's not good. ...about what happened down there. And I'm sure it's going on in Florida at this point in time, especially with the other hurricanes that are coming in. And I've had people ask me, are they... ...there, but what I do know is... he And he said, I've had people ask me, and he cussed again. It was about, what about the control of the weather manipulation how this was all created and, and he was like i don't know i know they have the capability though to do that and that's what we've we've covered in previous studies they're controlling things and these disastrous scenarios that are happening are the very forefront and the front lines of the civil war that's happening in this country right now there are people out there risking their lives uh, one of the guys in the cajun navy was shot two of the guys went into homes that were sell electricity and were electrocuted to death. One person was saving kids and run over by a boat and chopped up. There are rescuers and average people and militia that are being hurt and losing their lives in this. It was a war zone, it continues to be so, and now people like FEMA are bringing in these prison ships. And I'm gonna tell you one more time, do not get on their ships, do not go to their FEMA centers, you might not ever be heard from again. And that's direct information from what I saw going on and from my security guys that were on the ground and in these areas and what was happening. There was tens of thousands of lives saved because of these average heroes that went out and risked their lives and did so for their fellow men. And there are those people that are down there who are trying to control, steal, loot, murder, hunt people, and everything else that's going on. I'm going to wrap this up at this point in time because I can't possibly tell five days worth of stuff in a one-hour video, which has now become. I'm just going to ask that you people look into this a little more. Because what we warn about over the, over the years, that's exactly how it went down. Until next time. Okay, so I posted posted his video there. Um, oh man, I mean, this just if this doesn't make make you righteous and indignant, I don't know what will. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just put because I did kind of cover that a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and and, and put a link um, to this Texas carpet bombing. Uh, Texas carpet bombs its own hurricane traumatized. You know, there's so many aspects to this. You know, it, it's just, it, it defies any kind of logic, any kind of moralistic logic. So that's all I have for um, part one, and we will go to part two next. God bless you.